Well, if you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, and I sure do hope you do, let me encourage you to turn with me to Matthew 23. We're in week three of a series that we are calling Those People. Say that with me. Those People. Now, those people are, well, they're those people. They're those people that frustrate us, those people that irritate us, those people that that get under our skin, those people that wear us out. And what we've discovered is there are times that we are those people. You're those people. I'm those people. We all are those people. And so as we go through this series... We shouldn't be focusing on our right and on our left and thinking we've discovered those people. What we need to do is look in the mirror and ask God, and am I one of those people? Because the primary thing that we want to happen as we go through this series in the month of January is, is not to fix other people because you can't fix other people. But our desire is to let God work in us and through us through the power of his Holy Spirit and fix us. Now, in week one, we, we focused on those critical people. Those people who always have something negative to say about us. And we discovered that, that even those critical people can help us from time to time, can't they? There's constructive criticism. And we discovered that, that how we deal with A critical person depends. Sometimes we say nothing and let God handle it. Sometimes we say nothing and let others handle it. Sometimes we must speak up, but all the time we pray. Last week, we we focused on those chronically needy people. And we discovered that people can be chronically needy emotionally, relationally, financially, in a variety of ways. And what we discovered is when it comes to the chronically needy, we need to help them, but we need to be very careful not to enable them. But today what I want us to do is focus our attention on those fake people. Say that with me. Those fake people. You know those people. They're pretenders. They put on an act. They they wear a mask. We've all met a fake person at some time or another, haven't we? And most likely, we've all been fake people at some time or another. I heard about this lady. Her name is Alice, and and her and her husband moved to a new city. And as was their custom, and I hope your custom, as soon as they moved to a new city, they, they found a church, and they joined that church. And Alice wanted to get connected with some ladies in that church, and, and they were having a bake sale, and So Alice volunteered to bake a cake for the bake sale. Time got away from Alice. She didn't bake the cake early, and it was the day that the cake was supposed to be delivered, and she was rushing, and she put the cake in the oven and was cooking the cake. But when she took the cake out of the oven, the cake fell. Have you ever had that happen? I mean, the inside of the cake just kind of plunked down. I've seen that before. It may taste good, but it looks ugly. And so Alice was wondering, what am I going to do? I don't have time to, to bake another cake. So she came up with this creative, ingenious idea. 
She decided that she was going to fill the cake in with toilet paper. And then she was going to cover it up beautifully with icing and, and decorate the cake. And then after she delivered the cake, she was going to have her daughter buy it as soon as the cake went up for sale. And so she got with her daughter and told her daughter what she was going to do and said, you have to be there to buy this cake as soon as they put it up for sale. So, so Alice delivered the cake to the church. And, and when it was time for the bake sale, the daughter got there. But, but she came home and she had this frantic look on her face. You know where this is going. The cake was already sold. Alice didn't know what to do. Well, about that time, she got a call. It was from one of the minister's wives. And she was invited to this luncheon for for new members at this minister's wife's home. And so she got excited about that. It took her mind off the cake. And and she went there and they had an incredible lunch together, a lot of fellowship. The the lunch was great. And then they brought out dessert. (laughs) And you guessed it. It was her cake. And so she knew... She had to say something. But before she could open up her mouth, one of the other ladies said, This cake is beautiful. And the minister's wife said, You like it? I made it myself. (laughs) Say it with me. Fake people. Fake people. We've all met fake people. They come in all shapes. They come in all sizes. It could be that guy that that you work with. He goes to church regularly. He talks about his church. He brags about his church. But but at work, he uses coarse language. He's he's always talking inappropriately about women. You know, that guy. Or what about the kid? You know, they're involved in the student ministry. They're active. They're here every Sunday, every Sunday. Wednesday, but at school, they cheat regularly on tests. They, they, they party on weekends, if you know what I'm talking about. We've, we've met them, that kid. Or, or what about that woman? She's, she's misrighteous. She's always praying for people, but it's not really praying for people. You know what I mean? She's really gossiping in the form of prayer. We need to pray for sister so-and-so because she's got a problem with. We need to pray for brother so-and-so because he's having an affair on his wife. And she's always talking about other people. We've met her, that lady. Or what about that guy? He teaches a Bible study at church and... And everybody just sits back in the Bible studying. Oh, man, he's such a great teacher. But, but at home, he abuses his wife. He neglects his kids. I mean, we've all met them, haven't we? Those kinds of people. And what we need to understand is, is even though the world is filled with fake people... The truth is, we've all been fake people at some time or another. We're all pretenders. We fight on our way to church. We open up the door in the parking lot and everything changes. 
We're Mr. and Mrs. Church family. We're fakes, aren't we? Are we simply given to peer pressure? We're, we're afraid of taking a stand. We're, we're afraid to stand up or stand out. So we just blend in even when we know it's wrong. We've all been fakes. And the Bible calls fakes hypocrites. And Jesus spoke about them on a number of occasions. When, when we read through the Gospels, we see Jesus using that word often. In Matthew 15, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said this. He said, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts are far from me. They talk a good talk. They, they may even look the part, but on the inside... They don't match what they look like on the outside. And the Bible makes it clear. Listen, the Bible makes it clear that God is more concerned about our inside than he is our outside. He is more concerned about our heart than he is with our habits. When God was leading Samuel to find the new king of Israel, God said this. He said, do not consider his, his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus said it this way. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Solomon, perhaps the wisest man other than Jesus ever to walk on the planet, said this. He said, above all else, guard your heart because your heart is the wellspring of life. You see, God is more concerned about our heart than anything because, because we can put on a good show. We can say the right words. We can go through the right motions and, and yet never have a changed heart. But if our heart is changed, then listen, everything else will eventually change. If we focus on the outside, then the inside may never change. But if we allow God to change the inside, the outside will eventually change. And so Jesus said these hypocrites, they, they look the part, but their hearts are not right. Now, now, the Greek word for hypocrite simply means actor. It means one who hides behind a mask, one who is playing a part. The, the word was commonly used in Jesus' day to describe the actors who played in Greek plays. You see, in Greek plays, they, they didn't have a number of actors. They would just have a couple, several actors. But, but these actors would wear different masks to portray the characters that they were trying to describe. And, and so they would hold the mask up, they would wear the mask to describe the person that they were playing at any given time. And Jesus said, these Pharisees, these, these religious hypocrites were wearing masks. They were pretenders, but they weren't the real deal. Now today, we would think of hypocrisy as the opposite of authenticity. 
Hypocrisy is the opposite of authenticity. And, and I want you to know that our world today, especially the world without Jesus, is looking for authenticity. The world wants to see, is Jesus really making a difference in your life? Is, is he making a difference in your relationship with your your husband, your wife, your kids? Is he making a difference in, in how you work as an employee or how you work as an employer? Is he making a difference in, in how you handle the stresses of life? Is he making a difference in how you live Monday through Saturday? Or is it just a Sunday thing? A recent study suggests that, that millennials... The millennials, that age group, are, are looking for authenticity in people more than anything else. And, and so we need to understand that when it comes to our relationship with God, we are either living an authentic life and it's going to show, or we're living a hypocritical life, a fake life, we are pretending And I want you to know that that is going to show. Now, Jesus had problems with hypocrites. And he dealt with them, it seems like, on a regular basis. But in Matthew 23, Jesus confronts the hypocrites head on. And this entire chapter focuses on how how Jesus exposed them. He ripped off their mask. And he showed who they really were. He said, I'm not going to let you hide behind your mask anymore. I'm going to show people what you look like. And as you walk through this chapter, chapter 23, you really see about 11 or 12 characteristics that Jesus gives us of these fake people, these hypocrites. And understand there are other characteristics as well. But in this chapter, he gives us 11 or 12. We don't have the time to look at all of those. But what I want to do is is I want to focus on what I believe are the top six that, that identify fake people. Here's number one. Hypocrites don't practice what they preach. They preach one thing. But they practice something else. Listen to what it says in, in Matthew 23 verse 3. It says, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. Now, as you look at the first part of verse 3, it lets us know that these Pharisees, these, these religious hypocrites, these fakes, these pretenders, had set themselves up as the spiritual law of the day. If you look back at verse 2, it says that they sat in Moses' seat. In other words, they felt like that they had been given the authority by God to carry on the tradition of Moses, to speak on God's behalf. And they were determined to let everyone else know what was right and what was wrong. If you wanted to know what to do or what not to do, you didn't need to ask them. They would tell you. That's who they were. Have you ever met someone like that? I mean, they're always telling you what's right and 
what's wrong. They're always telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. It seems like some people have a lock on that. I've met people on both sides of the theological spectrum who think that they have this lock on speaking for God. I saw it this week. And I'm only sharing this with you because I saw it in a public forum. And so since it was in a public forum, I'm going to share it with you. There was a pastor, a, a well-known pastor, who, who put out a blog. And the blog said, I bought 10 lottery tickets. And as you read the blog, you discover that he did indeed buy 10 lottery tickets. And then he began to criticize and demean anyone and everyone who may disagree with him for buying 10 lottery tickets. And then he said, if, if I'm wrong, then I'll be in hell and you'll be in hell with me. This was a pastor who said this. Now, and I'm not up here right now to debate the merits of the lottery, whether it's good or bad. But let me just say to you that if, if your retirement plan is wrapped up in the lottery, God help you. Because you're probably not going to have a good retirement. That's not the way to finance your retirement. What I'm saying is, he set himself up as the authority to speak for God. And to say there's nothing wrong with buying a lottery ticket. And if you think there is, then something is wrong with you. Well, then the other side hit back. And the other side began to call him everything other than a Christian. A child of the devil. A spawn of the evil one. All of these things like this. And they were claiming to speak with the spiritual authority of God. Now understand, both of these sides were wrong. It was wrong for this pastor to put out this blog. Should have never done it. It was wrong for the other people to, to call him names and question his relationship with Jesus Christ. They shouldn't have done that. Yet our world is filled with people, isn't it? Who feel like they have been put in a place to speak truth in your life. And they are omniscient when it comes to speaking for God. Now listen, there are some things that are clearly wrong. Word of God speaks to these things. Drunkenness is wrong. The Bible says that's sin. Sex outside of marriage, that's wrong. The Bible says that's sin. Homosexuality is wrong. The Bible says that's sin. And we could go on and, and on. But there are other issues where the Word of God is not so clear. And on these issues where the Word of God is not so clear, we need to be very careful trying to sit in this place of religious righteousness, whichever side we may come down on. So here were these Pharisees who felt like they were speaking for God. They were hypocrites, and we have them today. Now notice the last part of verse 3. says they do not practice what they preach. In other words, they're dispensers of the law. They're carefully watching to see if you follow what they say, if you do what they say, but then they're not as careful in dispensing it themselves. In other words, you need to exercise grace when it comes to how you relate to other people. But I'm not going to exercise grace to you. You need to do this 
but, but I don't have to do that. They don't practice what they preach. Second, hypocrites put impossible demands on people and, and then they don't help. Look at verse 4. It says they crush people with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Now, in the first part talks about demands. Hypocrites have a tendency to load people down with these heavy burdens of religious legalism. In Jesus' day, they had all kinds of rules and regulations that were impossible to follow. And so, instead of experiencing freedom when it came to their relationship with God, they were in bondage when it came to their relationship with God. An example would be the Sabbath laws. Now, the Sabbath was a commemoration set apart by God himself to show that after God created everything, God rested. And the Sabbath was to be a day of rest. It was a day, the Bible says, Jesus said, that that man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. But these hypocrites, they they took this, this teaching in Scripture that... That God had set aside a day so that you and I could rest. And they put all of these rules and regulations on this day of rest that, that wore people out. In other words, on the Sabbath, you couldn't pour water on yourself. You couldn't wash yourself. Because if you poured water on yourself and washed yourself, the water may hit the ground. And if it hit the ground, it would clean the floor and that would be work. If you had false teeth, you couldn't wear false teeth on the Sabbath because working the false teeth would be work. And so if you went to the temple on the Sabbath, everybody went without their fit teeth. I imagine that was a sight, wasn't it? You couldn't climb a tree on the Sabbath. That would be work. And they had all of these rules, rule after rule after rule, that said, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do on the Sabbath. We've had people that have kind of done that today, haven't we? You know, and we say our Sabbath is, is at times Sunday. There's some believers who say that. And, and on Sunday, you're not supposed to play ball. On Sunday, you're not supposed to go to the movies. On Sunday, you're not supposed to do these things. I grew up like that. Where you had all of these rules and regulations. And on this day that was set aside for you to rest, for you to worship God, for you to enjoy, you have all of these things that wear you down and you're wondering, am I breaking God's law? So they put these impossible demands on people. And then it says, and they didn't even lift a finger to ease the burden. In other words, they put all of these regulations, all of these rules, and then they never helped people fulfill the regulations. They would give them the the list of rules. They would give them the checklist. And they would say, here, if you want to go to heaven, do this. But if you don't, we're watching And we're going to pounce on you. And so they put these impossible demands on people. And that's what hypocrites do. Third, hypocrites live to be seen and honored. Look at verses 5 through 7. 
Everything they do is done for men to see. They, they make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garment, garments long. They, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They, they love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. You see, hypocrites live for recognition. They, they want to be seen. They want to be honored. They, they want to be the person who is recognized. And Jesus dealt with this. Jesus dealt with this in Matthew 6. He, he dealt with this in a long passage in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he, talked about, he talked about our works of righteousness. And he said, be careful not to do your works of righteousness before men so that they can be seen. And he talked about our giving and, and how we're supposed to be giving, not so that others can see it and, and recognize us for what we give. And he talks about our praying and how we're to go in our closet and pray and, and not pray these long prayers to impress people. And, you know, before we pray, we go to the dictionary or, or, or we get all of these, these religious terms to use. And he talked about fasting and, and how when you fast, don't look like you're hungry. No. Make yourself look nice so that, so that people won't even know you're fasting. The Pharisees didn't do that. Whenever they gave, they made sure everyone knowed, knew that they were giving. When they prayed, they, they prayed out in public so that everyone could see them. When they fasted, they would cover themselves in, in ashes and wear sackcloth so that everyone would know that they were doing without. And Jesus said that's wrong. One of the things that they did is they wore phylacteries. And phylacteries were these leather boxes that, that contained four passages of Scripture. And they could wear them on their, their heads. They could wear them on their arms. But the phylactery was a good idea. It, it was originally intended to remind the people that the Word of God was to have preeminence in their life. And they were to obey and honor the word of God. And, and, and as they wore the phylactery, it would remind them of that. But, but the Pharisees changed it. And the Bible says that they made their phylacteries bigger than everyone else's so that everyone would see their phylactery. And then the hem of their garments, they would make them long, the tassels long, so that people would know that they were Pharisees. When they would go to banquets, they would want the seat of honor and and when they were out in, in, in the public eye, they would want to be called by the titles, Rabbi. I was recently asked by, by one of our relatively new members, why no one calls me Pastor Rocky or Preacher Rocky or some other term? Why do they just call you Rocky? And I said, well, because that's my name, Rocky. But, but the, real, the real reason here is because I, I don't, I don't want to go around going by a title. I just want to be who I am. Has God called me? Yes, God's called me. But I'm no different than you are. And the Pharisees, they wanted this honor. They, they wanted this recognition. It was a big deal to them. Listen, spiritual pride is a sign of hypocrisy. And spiritual pride is, is one of those things that is impossible to see in a mirror. The fourth thing. Hypocrites keep people out of heaven by their wrong view of salvation. In Matthew 23 it says, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. 
Jesus said that, that these hypocrites are shutting the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. They are slamming the door of heaven in people's faces. Now, how did they do that? They did that with their warped view of salvation. You see, most people who refuse to accept salvation by grace through faith substitute a religion of rules and regulations with a checklist. I've got to do this. I've got to check these boxes off. And and if I do these things, then God will be pleased with me. I will be right with God and I can go to heaven. And, And that's what the Pharisees believe, these hypocrites. They believed that our salvation was something that we worked for, that we earned. And and if we kept the law, then we could go to heaven. And yet Jesus said, because of their warped view of salvation, not only would they not enter heaven, they were keeping people out of heaven. Listen, salvation, salvation that gets us to heaven is by God's grace. It is accepted through our faith. That's it. The Bible says that salvation comes through faith. Now listen. It's a faith that transforms. It's a faith that changes. It's a faith that produces righteousness. It's a faith that causes us to repent. It's a faith that that causes us to want to live for Jesus. But we are saved by faith alone through Christ alone. There is nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. Now some may say, "Well, well, don't we believe that you've got to... Have faith and then be baptized to be saved? No. We believe that you're saved through faith. And we believe that if you have exercised saving faith, then the Holy Spirit of God is going to show you the merits of baptism. You say, shouldn't, shouldn't you say that, that once you receive Christ by faith, you need to, to, to join a, a church? No, it's by faith. And certainly when, when we receive Christ by faith and we become a part of his family, we want to hang out with other family members. That's going to come. That's going to be natural. But, but we don't go to church to be saved. We go to church because we are saved. And you say, what's the difference? The difference is, is heaven or hell. The difference is, do I know God Or am I simply trying to please God? So the Pharisees keep people out of heaven by their wrong view of heaven. Five, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, make a big deal out of little things, but they neglect the big things. Verses 23 and 24. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your mints, your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin, But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain at a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now, before you assume something, Jesus never said you shouldn't tithe. Notice what he said here. He said you should practice the latter tithing without neglecting the former. Jesus said to them, it's a good thing that you're tithing. This is great. But the 
hypocrites, the Pharisees, they were so consumed with this one thing that they were tithing the, the, the smallest herbs in their garden. You see, biblically, most people tithe this way because this is, this is how they, they live. This is how they survive. If you had ten cows, a tithe was giving one cow to God. If you had ten bushels of grain, a tithe was giving one bushel of grain to God. That was the tithe. But these, these Pharisees, they, they took it to an extreme. They, they would have a garden in their backyard where they were growing these spices, these, these, this dill, the mint, the cumin. And, and they would take these little spice plants and they would take off nine leaves and they would take those leaves for themselves. And then they would take one leaf and say, this is God's mint. And they would take nine leaves and keep it for themselves. And then they would take one leaf and they would say, this is God's deal. And so they were, they were consumed with this. And Jesus said, I, I applaud, I applaud how you're, you're, you're trying to be diligent in your giving, but you've neglected the more important things. The things that, that change people's lives, justice and, and mercy and faith, justice. Treating our neighbor as we should, doing and saying things that would not hurt people, honoring and respecting people. Mercy, showing care and concern and, and kindness and tenderness to all people. The weak, the sinners, the needy, the bad, the, the difficult, those people. Faith, believing what God says, trusting God. Enough to, to step out of the boat and, and do what God says do. Jesus said you're focusing on this simple thing. And giving really is a simple thing. And yet you're neglecting these other things. Treating people the way you should. Trusting God the way you should. And an example for us today could be going to Bible studies. Bible studies are a great thing, aren't they? But I've met people that, I mean, they go, to, they go to four, five, or six Bible studies a week. And I'm thinking, man, you sure are spiritual. Because I, I have a hard time applying what I'm learning to teach you on Sunday. I, I mean, as I prepared for what I'm sharing with you right now, I mean, God ate my lunch. And, and so, I mean, I, it, it's, going to, it's going to take me weeks. To try to just simply apply the things that God showed me in my life I was being hypocritical about. I was being a fake about. And I mean, if I was sitting down having four or five Bible studies a week, I would be on spiritual overload. And you can fill notebook after notebook after notebook, but, but the question is, are you applying, are you putting into practice the truths that you learn? It would be better for you to learn one spiritual truth a week and then give your attention to applying that truth than to learn ten, put them in your notebook, and never do anything with them. And so they focused on the minors instead of the majors. Six, you focus on the external while neglecting the internal. Verse 25 and following, Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. 
You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Can you imagine going to someone's house? And, and they make a pot of coffee, and, and you want a pot of coffee, and they, they get a, a coffee cup out of the, the, the cabinet, and they give you that coffee cup, and, and you're so excited because, man, that coffee smells good. And you get ready to pour your cup of coffee, but as you're about to pour the cup of coffee, you look down in the coffee cup, and there's mold growing in the coffee cup. And there's all kind of nasty stains in that coffee cup. And I mean, you look at the outside of the cup and it's all clean. But then you look back on the inside and you go, oh. Now, I don't know about you, but unless I'm in a third world country, I'm going to go to the sink and clean out that cup. And I'm probably going to try to do that in a third world country. And yet Jesus said, that's what hypocrites do. We focus on the outside. Our habits, how we look, how we dress, all of these things that people can see. And, and yet on the inside, we're greedy and we're selfish and, and all of these other things. And here's what I've discovered. Listen, the longer you walk with Jesus the more you will realize the issues that you need to address are not external issues. They're internal issues. You don't need to raise your hand, but, but how many of you struggle with greed? Struggle with selfishness? I mean, I'll raise my hand. I, I, I'll let you know. I, I struggle with that, and I'm a generous giver, and, and yet, and yet, I, man, I love things. I love nice things. And God convicts me of that. The longer I walk with Him, I realize that, that if I focus on the internal, then the external will take care of itself. As so Jesus said, as we look through this passage, observe and ask yourself, am I a hypocrite? Now, now here's what I believe. All of us are. In some way, shape, or form, I am. I acknowledge it. I don't want to be, but, but there, there's not a week that goes by that, that I'm not fake in some form or fashion. Praise God, God's not through with me. He's still working on me, but, but it's tough not being fake at times. He's shown me that, that it's easy to, to have the habits right, and yet the things that control the habits not be right. But suppose, just suppose, as, as we've gone through this today, you look at all the lists and you go, well, I'm not a hypocrite. I would say to you, praise God. If you're not serving in leadership, you need to. 
But what if that's you? How do we respond to the hypocrite? And when we see the hypocrite, what are we supposed to do? Now, some people would say you don't do anything. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. It's not our place to address that issue. We should never address that issue. There are other people that would say, well, you better believe I'll address it. And we see anything out of place in another person's life. And we go to them, we go, brother, sister, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. And there are those people. And I would dare say to you that both of those groups are wrong. You don't ignore the hypocrisy, but you don't slam the hypocrite. What we see Jesus doing and and what the example we find in the Bible is this. We confront the hypocrite. We do. When someone is a hypocrite, we have to confront them. When it's an hypocrisy that is evident, that is clear, that's, that's a big issue, we have to confront it. But we need to understand that there could be a cost. When Jesus confronted the hypocrisy and the Pharisees, we read in Scripture that, that this was the straw that broke the camel's back. In other words, from this time forth, they began to plot on how to kill Jesus. They determined that they've got to shut this man up. He's going to ruin us. You see, there may be a cost in confronting the hypocrite, but how do we confront them? How do we do it? Well, we confront gently. We confront with the goal of restoring to lift up. In Galatians chapter 6, it says this, Brothers, If any of you or if any someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch out or you also may be tempted. So the Bible says that that when we see someone that's caught up in hypocrisy, what do we do? We confront them with the goal of restoring them and we confront them gently. Now, who do we confront? We confront brothers and sisters. The Bible never tells us as Christians we're to confront non-believers about their sin. Sinners sin. That's what they're supposed to do. That's why they're called sinners. But the Bible says that when we become a child of God, we become a saint. And saints are called to live Separate, distinct, different from the world in which we live. And so when we see a believer that is caught in sin, and this sin is public, this sin is one of those major sins, we are to confront them. Do you remember David and Bathsheba? Remember that story? David saw Bathsheba on the roof. She was bathing and he began to lust after her. He called her to his palace. He had sex with her. She became pregnant. He eventually killed Bathsheba's husband, brought Bathsheba into his home as his own wife. And and for a year, he covered up the sin. And then the prophet Nathan went to David and confronted David. 
He told David a story about this man who had one little sheep that was like a pet to him and this other man who had this big flock and he was having a banquet but he didn't want to kill one of his sheep and so he took that man's little lamb, his one sheep, and and he killed it to serve at his banquet. Jesus, or when David heard this, he was outraged and he said, I can't believe this. You let me know who this man is and, and I tell you, we will punish him. Nathan said, you're the man. You're the one. You did it. As king, you could have anything, but, but you took Uriah's wife and killed Uriah because you wanted her for yourself. And the Bible says, praise God, that, that David repented. He wept and, and he prayed that prayer, created me a clean heart, renew your spirit within me. He asked God to forgive him and restore him. And that's the goal of confronting the hypocrite. It's not to beat them down or beat them up. It's not to lift yourself up. It's to restore the person who is caught up in sin. But as we conclude this morning, I want us to conclude by looking at ourselves again. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus talked about hypocrisy and I want you to listen to what he said he said why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when and all the time there's a plank in your own eye you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your own brother's eye. The bottom line is each and every one of us are those people at some time or another. We're hypocrites. We're living as pretenders. We're living as fakes. And my prayer this morning is, is as we gather here that the Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you to those areas of your life that are keeping you from being authentic. And so what I want you to do is I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. And, and I want us to have just a, a time of prayer. And I know the, 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 the moment is, is passing and we need, to, we need to dismiss. But we need to have this time of prayer. So bow your head and close your eyes. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray this to God. Search me, God. Know my heart. See if there is anything unclean within me. Just ask God to show you those areas of your life where you're being a hypocrite. And then get it right with Him. Pray right now to Him. And after we pray, I'll close this out. Father God, 
more than anything else. We want to live in a way that points people to you, not away from you. Lord, search us inside and out. See if there is anything in us, any habit, any attitude, any thoughts that are displeasing to you. Father, if we have a judgmental spirit, if we're legalistic, Father, if we we major on the small things while neglecting the major things, whatever, Father, just pray that you'll reveal it to us so we can come clean before you today. We love you. And we only want to be used by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.